I'm Kelsey. I'm Cassie. And I'm Nolan from SCP Weekly. We bring you news from on-site and off-site. And we share your love for the creative community that surrounds the SCP Wiki. Join us on Tuesdays for new episodes, wherever you listen to podcasts, or on YouTube at SCP Weekly. The file you are about to hear has been thoroughly scrutinized by the Ethics Committee and approved by the O5 Council for release to trusted associates of the Foundation. This is SCP Unredacted. Item number SCP-7038 Object Class Keter Special Containment Procedures SCP-7038 is to be contained in a medium-standard humanoid anomaly containment cell, MSHAC, in Site 06-3, outfitted with a magnetically locking reinforced door and an array of ceiling-mounted security cameras protected by bulletproof glass. The entity itself shall be permanently kept within a restraint harness designed to suspend it 1.5 meters above the cell floor. Under normal circumstances, the entity's upper body and arms are left unbound, though this privilege may be revoked at any time. The floor of the entity's cell shall be outfitted with a fast-release trapdoor leading to a set of industrial grinders three meters below. Due to the anomalous properties of SCP-7038-A and B instances, Disposal of the mulch remains is not necessary. The activation of the grinder array is achieved via manual lever outside the entity's cell. When conducting interviews and psychiatric checkups, a three-meter-long catwalk will extend partially into the cell while the trapdoor and grinders are active. Dash A instances are only to be released from the entity's containment cell during scheduled testing, and each instance must be placed in a reinforced steel cage before removal. No Dash A instances must be allowed to mature beyond adolescence, and must be terminated at the end of testing to prevent this eventuality. All instances of Dash B must be terminated on site through the use of the containment cell's grinder array, or mass suppressive fire in the event the array fails. The entity is to be fed one live cow per month, lowered through the ceiling of its cell on the provided pulley system. During feeding, the grinder array is deactivated and the entity is allowed to produce as many Dash A instances as it requires to complete consumption of its meal. Due to the danger the entity and its offspring pose to site personnel, entry into the cell is only permitted for the following purposes. Conduction of interviews. Maintenance and inspections on restraints and other equipment. Testing on the entity. Retrieval of Dash A specimens for testing. Bi-weekly checkups with Site 06-3 psychiatrists. All personnel entering the entity's cell must wear C-Burna protective gear and be equipped with utility knives and standard-issue small arms. In the event of a containment breach in which the entity escapes its cell, reinforced blast doors within the adjacent hallway will close automatically, and flame dispersal units within the ceiling will subsequently immolate the hallway. After the incendiary units expend their fuel, remote explosives within the floor of the hallway will be detonated. If this fails to incapacitate the entity, all available armed personnel shall be sent to blockade the hallway in case the blast doors are breached. If a successful escape of the entity results in a cascade of additional containment breaches, 
Site-06-3's on-site nuclear device must be detonated regardless of whether or not staff have been fully evacuated. As it is not yet known if there is a maximum limit to the production of SCP-703 offspring, personnel should be advised that a failure to control the population of Dash-A and Dash-B could result in an SK-class dominance shift scenario, or, at worst, an NK-class Grey Goo scenario. Description SCP-7038 is a humanoid entity of indeterminate origin that appears to be in a constant state of labor. The entity resembles a human female with charcoal-colored skin, a light gray underbelly, and unkempt crimson hair approximately three meters in length that covers most of its face. Upon its head are two curved black horns resembling those of an ibex. The entity's facial structure appears vaguely Caucasian, with an estimated age in the early 30s. The entity's eyes are large, amber in color, and have no discernible pupils. The entity possesses multiple rows of shark-like teeth and a prehensile serpentine tongue, along with a five-meter-long whip-like tail ending in a needle-like spike. The entity's feet are digitigrade and end in a set of talons resembling those of a velociraptor. It has three fingers and an opposable thumb on either side of its hands. All digits are clawed. The entity possesses human-level intelligence and can speak English, Hebrew, Russian, and Russian, though its knowledge of the outside world is extremely fragmented and inconsistent. Despite the entity's mostly humanoid appearance, DNA testing has proven inconclusive. Analysis of its blood chemistry suggests the entity is a form of arsenic-based life, rather than carbon-based. The entity is perpetually pregnant, the size of its abdomen typically resembling a late-term pregnancy with triplets. All of the entity's lower orifices are used exclusively for reproduction, and will birth Dash-A instances at random intervals, with its daily output ranging from 80 to 350 instances. Supplemental Beta SCP-7038-A SCP-7038-A are carnivorous entities of widely varying appearance and size. The most common forms are that of hairless canines, equines, and felines, but more reptilian body shapes have also been observed, along with much smaller instances resembling leeches and tapeworms. All Dash A instances possess rows of sharpened fangs, skin ranging from charcoal black to blood red in color, and sharpened claws. The number of eyes on each Dash A instance and their placement varies significantly, but the eyes are always identical in appearance to SCP-7038s. Dash-A instances, upon being born, will attempt to climb upon the entity's body and nurse from it. Due to current containment procedures, it is not known how large Dash-A instances can become once they mature past the adolescent stage. The entity possesses a clairvoyant connection with all Dash-A instances, and is capable of perceiving any sensory input experienced by Dash-A. Additionally, the entity can assume direct control of all Dash A instances within a 1.5 kilometer radius. This state is indicated by rows of glowing red spots running along the Dash A instance's spine. Dash A instances possess canine level intelligence, but when untrained and uncontrolled, they will invariably attempt to locate and consume organic life. Once a Dash A instance has gorged itself to the point of lethargy, it will return to the entity climb onto its body, 
and proceed to shrink and compress itself until it is roughly the size of a human fist, whereupon the entity will consume the Dash A instance whole. Despite the sometimes severe bodily harm caused by the entity's constant labor and the nature of its offspring, the entity is capable of rapidly healing all wounds sustained during labor, and suffers no apparent negative effects from extensive blood loss. Through extensive testing, it has been discovered that the biomass the entity accrues through consumption of well-fed Dash A instances is used to repair the damage sustained during labor. Supplemental Data SCP-7038-B SCP-7038-B instances are considerably more rare than Dash A. Dash B are often significantly larger, possess vastly accelerated metabolisms, described as insatiable hunger, and do not require nursing to grow. Dash B, due to their increased size and accelerated growth, are often unable to pass through the entity's birth canals, and are instead forced to carve their way out of the entity's abdomen with their claws and teeth. The entity is capable of healing these injuries, albeit at a slower rate than its typical labor wounds, but will frequently lose consciousness during the process. Dash B instances cannot be controlled by the entity and do not respond to any attempts at training. Instead, they will relentlessly attack and consume any organic life in their path without regard for self-preservation. Because Dash B do not possess self-preservation instincts, they will often consume organic life until they reach a point of complete immobility. This is generally an opportune time to eliminate them. Despite their perpetual urge to consume, Dash B instances do not seem to require any form of nursing or sustenance for survival. Both SCP-7038-A and Dash B are only slightly more durable than the non-anomalous organisms they resemble, though their wounds heal at a significantly accelerated rate. The organ systems of Dash A and Dash B instances are simplistic in structure, lacking kidneys, livers, gallbladders, and excretory systems. Their digestive systems also appear to be vestigial. Due to the simplicity of the organ systems within these entities, massive physical trauma, incineration, and or destruction of the cranium are the most effective means of dispatching them. Additionally, when a Dash A or Dash B instance is killed, it will immediately begin evaporating, leaving no trace behind. Any stomach contents within a deceased instance will be deposited on the ground as the body evaporates. Due to these instances leaving no remains when killed, it is theorized that Dash A and Dash B are not entirely corporeal in nature. Discovery Evidence of anomalous activity relating to SCP-7038 was first discovered on 16 May 2000 in Uglitch, Russia, when complaints about the city's sudden drop in water quality led to sewer workers discovering 16 to 23 human corpses piled within a storm drain. While the exact number of corpses was difficult to identify, all individuals exhibited the following traits. All corpses were Caucasian females between the ages of 18 and 32. All individuals shared a modest level of physical resemblance. DNA testing proved strangely inconclusive, with only portions of the DNA even recognizable as human. Traces of smeared body paint in various swirling and jagged patterns indicating participation in some form of ritualistic activity. Upon their lower backs, every corpse was branded with an unknown symbol resembling a coiled serpent with an upward-facing mouth opened 180 degrees 
and filled with rows of jagged fangs. All bodies bore various physical traits reminiscent of the entity now classified as SCP-7038, though these features were only partial, encompassing varied portions or patches of their bodies. Traces of arsenicosis, including reddened, swollen skin, and various lesions were found in all specimens. Analysis of blood and tissues revealed massive quantities of arsenic, far more than would be necessary to kill a human. Massive physical trauma to the abdominal and pelvic regions, including deep lacerations appearing to originate from within the body, shattered pelvises, complete disembowelment of the abdominal cavity, bite and scratch marks on the inner thighs, and bite marks on internal organs, suggesting the bodies were at least partially consumed from within. Immediately following discovery, Foundation agents embedded within local Russian polizia contained the scene and called for a more thorough investigation. A detachment of MTF Zeta-9 mole rats was dispatched to investigate a large hole in the wall of the storm drain adjacent to the pile of corpses. The tunnel led into a labyrinthine complex that appeared to encircle the entire perimeter of Uglich, though it only seemed to intersect with city infrastructure via the hole in the storm drain. Five hours into the expedition, the Zeta-9 team was suddenly ambushed by a large swarm of canid creatures, later discerned to be Dash-A instances. All members of the detachment were killed before reinforcements could arrive, though one of the agents was able to implant the GPS tracking device on a Dash-A instance. Five kilometers east of Uglich, above-ground agents traced the GPS signal to the foundations of what appeared to be an ancient castle occupied by multiple individuals wearing masks, robes, and other ritualistic clothing. While local records indicated it had been present for at least 600 years, no documents could be found on the castle's origins. Subsequently, a raid was organized to secure the compound and apprehend the persons of interest. The following is a heavily abridged transcript of discoveries made within the ruins. Ugilich Ruins. Exploration Transcript. Note. Through long-distance surveillance, the ruins had been found to contain a market of crudely assembled tarps and booths guarded by various cloaked figures. 1019. The raid commences. Cloaked figures, who had previously appeared unarmed, began reshaping regions of their bodies into various types of organic weaponry. 1028. Despite moderate initial losses, the raid team has dispatched all cloaked figures. Those that were not killed by the gunfire committed suicide through anomalous means whenever capture was attempted. 10.30 Approximately 250 steel cages of varying sizes, all containing Dash-A instances, are discovered within the marketplace. 27 members of several criminal organizations, including representatives of GOI-012, Marshall, Carter, and Dark, are successfully apprehended and transported off-site for questioning. 10.47 A set of barred doors past the marketplace is found. The spiral staircase downwards leads to a fortress complex in significantly better condition than the above-ground ruins. 11.05 A hallway protected by two sets of barred doors is breached, leading to an intersection of four additional hallways. Explorations reveal that the first hallway leads to a set of well-furnished cells, some containing women that resemble those found in the storm drain, without previously described anomalous deformities. 
Women range from the ages of to 32 and appear to be genetically related. Initial questioning indicates the women have limited knowledge of the outside world and have never left the confines of the fortress. All are escorted off-site for processing. 1119. The second hallway leads to multiple rooms filled with medical equipment, surgical tables, and portable electric generators. All examination tables are stained with multiple layers of blood. Bookshelves within these rooms contain scraps of paper, but it appears most of the documentation has been removed. 1123. The third hallway leads to a natural underground cave system. The hallway opens into a large cliff overlooking an underground waterway. The rocks and walls surrounding the waterway are covered in what appears to be dried blood and traces of organic tissue. The stench of rotting flesh is so strong, the team is forced to retreat to the intersection after only three minutes. 1127. The final hallway is the widest and most ornate of the four, lined with blood-red banners depicting winding black tentacles and sets of toothed jaws. At the end of the hallway is a set of heavily barricaded and reinforced double doors. 1131. The Ray Team Demolitions experts breach the double doors with C4 explosives. Almost immediately, a pack of Dash A instances charges through the cloud of dust and debris, inflicting heavy casualties before they are dispatched. Various sacks of corrosive fluid are also lobbed through the dust cloud, causing further casualties. 1133. The Ray Team begins advancing through the remains of the double doors entering a massive column-lined room resembling the interior of a cathedral. The room contains at least 50 rows of ornate wooden pews, from behind which several assailants attack with organic weaponry. 1137. All hostiles are eliminated, retreat, or commit suicide, allowing the team to further examine the chamber. Beyond the pews, a set of ziggurat-like steps leads to a rectangular stone altar covered in blood and viscera. Rivers of blood pour down the steps, almost reaching the first row of pews. Above the altar hangs a statue of an amorphous tentacled entity with a massive circular maw filled with teeth. Behind the altar, the team discovers the corpses of two women with deformities matching those found on the corpses in the storm drain. 1141. Through a narrow doorway past the altar, an unlit hallway leads to a room with a large circular pit in the center. The pit is ringed with polished stones bearing inscriptions in an unknown language. Bloody footprints through the hallway all converge on the pit, indicating the remaining cultists had thrown themselves into it. The bottom of the pit is filled with sharpened iron spikes, but there is no trace of blood or human remains within the pit itself. It is unknown how the cultists were able to escape. 1150 Vocalizations are heard from a door at the far end of the room. Through this passage is a cell of similar design to the previous ones, though it lacks any furnishings and contains no floor. Instead, the bottom of the cell is entirely occupied by an amorphous fleshy entity with several toothed mouths and short prehensile tentacles. Hanging in a harness of chains above the flesh pit is the entity later classified as SCP-7038, which regards the raid team with mild curiosity rather than the expected panic. Once SCP-7038's obvious anomalous properties are accounted for, the entity in the pit is incinerated, and SCP-7038 is released from its bindings and brought into custody.
Addendum 7038-01 Interview Logs Interview 7038-I-1 Interviewer Dr. Bridget A. Kelson Interviewed SCP-7038 Date 4 June 2022 Interviewer Notes The following interview was conducted shortly after SCP-7038 was brought into containment. During transport to its cell and fitting for its restraint harness, the entity did not offer any form of resistance and showed no signs of distress when being explained its containment procedures. Seven A instances were produced during initial transport and containment efforts and were terminated shortly before the interview. Accompanying me for security purposes are Agent Mark Tanners and Agent Blake Flynn. Hello, STP-7038. I'm Dr. Bridget Kelson. With me are Agent Mark Tanners and Agent Blake Flynn. Do you have any preferences for how you are addressed? Hello, Dr. Kelson and company. I do not have a name, nor desire for one. Your archaic numbers are inefficient, but it makes little difference to me. Do you require any amenities? Clothing, perhaps? (laughs) Doctor, look upon me. Concealment of this is simply not possible. The brood claw and tear at all in their path, any barrier between them and sustenance. A dash A instance is born before immediately falling into the grinder array below, producing a loud crunching noise for several seconds. The entity does not visibly react. You have quite the formal manner of speaking. It is befitting of my standing within the Order. The Blessed must carry themselves with dignity in all matters. I take it you have no qualms with your offspring being disposed of in this manner? Do as you will with them. I am serving my purpose. What exactly is this purpose? I am a weapon. A weapon to produce more weapons. An unending supply of toothed fiends for the men to play with as they see fit. My sole responsibility is their creation. The Order... The Order would not trouble me with any matters beyond completion of this duty. I'm sensing some dissatisfaction. It is an honor to receive such a blessing as this. To serve the Order in such a direct fashion. To be chosen by a goddess. It can be monotonous at times, but I have learned to cope with the tedium. Is it painful? I received the gift so early on, I never truly learned the nature of pain before my transformation. I am sure the blood looks unsettling from where you stand, but I have been like this for centuries. Centuries? Well, it is difficult keeping track of time from within a cell. It could be decades, it could be eons. My world is one of walls and chains and routine blessings not of rising and setting suns. The way you're speaking implies this isn't the first time you've been restrained like this. Of course not. I am far too important to risk my safety wandering about unsupervised, and walking with such a burden is cumbersome at the best of times. 
No, this is how I've spent the majority of my life. I do not mind it, though I usually had some reading materials whenever I was bound previously. Another Dash A instance is born before falling into the grinder array, producing more crunching noises. If you like, I can speak to my supervisors about providing you with approved reading materials. That would be... desirable. I shall contemplate what I desire reading. Okay, SCP-7038. Thank you for your time. It is quite nice to spend it in the company of another. Closing statement. The entity displayed remarkably little distress given its anomalous properties and current containment procedures. As for how much of that bravado is genuine, I will need to conduct further interviews to determine. Given the entity's ability to control its offspring, I believe we should endeavor to keep the entity placated and docile. While it has not attempted to breach containment so far, I suspect that may be because it desires to remain, rather than because it is incapable of escaping. If we can just keep the entity sufficiently entertained, we could save hundreds, maybe even thousands in maintenance costs of its cell. After the interview, the entity made requests for the following reading materials. A copy of the King James Bible, accepted. A copy of the Torah, accepted. A copy of the Great Tenets of the Rithe, denied, as no records can be found of the text's existence. Suspected to be Sarkic in origin. Kelson. Interview. 7038-I2. Interviewer. Dr. Bridget A. Kelson. Interviewed. SCP-7038. Date. 10 June, 2022. Interviewer notes. Prior to this interview, multiple modular mechanical arms were installed to the walls on the interior of SCP-7038 cell. These arms contain equipment for sample collection, vital monitoring, and manipulation of the entity's restraining harness. Two of the arms are fitted with small 1.5 meter by 1 meter trays that SCP-7038 can place its reading materials on when not in use. These arms are controlled via a terminal on the outside of SCP-7038 cell. Hello, SCP-7038. How are you feeling today? Content at the moment, Doctor. While I am disappointed you were unable to procure the great tenants, I appreciate the provided reading material. Almost feels like home, albeit with less chanting. SCP-7038 idly flips through the pages of the King James Bible as another Dash A instance falls into the grinder. You appear to be quite interested in that one. Indeed. Particularly the passages speaking of Job. Job is a pitiable fool, subjected to some of the worst torment I've seen inflicted upon a man, and with nary a reason given. Your god is truly a spiteful one. Perhaps our minds simply can't comprehend the reasoning behind why God does what he does. Perhaps. Perhaps. As good a reason as any I have heard. Ah, this part interests me greatly. Job 41, verse 1. The Leviathan, great serpent of the deep, who feasts upon man for no purpose apart from asserting its rule. 
Pity Job was so inaccurate in his description of it, but I cannot blame him. Pardon? The Leviathan possesses no limbs to speak of, and its body needs no armored scales. Its hide is bare, a hue of venomous green. It breathes not fire as it lives beneath the seas. In its wake is a sheen of ichor that burns away the memories of all exposed. You seem awfully familiar with this Leviathan. It was one of the stories we were told back at home. Do you find Job relatable in any way? The entity tilts its head curiously and sets the book aside. Relatable? In what fashion? Oh, I just meant that, well, that you might empathize with his suffering. In what way am I suffering? There are more crunching noises as another Dash A instance falls into the grinder. Well, you're unable to le- Okay, my apologies. That was awfully presumptuous of me. On another note, can you please elaborate further on exactly what you are and how you became this way? I am a mother of monsters, as you can so clearly see. I was raised from birth for my current function. Many before me failed in their duties, their bodies split and shattered beyond repair by their offspring, their blood coursing in rivers down the steps before the altar. I did not flinch. I would never disgrace the Order with thoughts of escape. Are you implying that you were originally human? Yes, I am. Agent Flynn takes a step backwards and loses his footing, impacting the railing of the catwalk. Hey. Get up before you fall over the side. Your men seem surprised. It takes a while for some of them to realize the reality of what they're facing here. I guess they're a bit like Job in a way. Some of them have even had to face their own personal leviathans, you might say. Ones with fewer teeth, I would hope. Anyways, might I recommend you some additional reading materials? I don't see why not. I've already finished these. All right. I believe that will be all for today. Closing Statement The entity continues to cope remarkably well with its current containment, but given Agent Flynn's upset during the interview, I fear my concerns lie elsewhere. Although the entity does not appear to have any cognitohazardous properties, I'm worried the mere sight of it may cause lingering psychological impacts on site personnel. Rumors have already started spreading among personnel about the entity's nature, and I've caught multiple agents and janitorial staff peeking into the observation window. I don't care if it's just morbid curiosity. It's unprofessional and needs to be dealt with now before matters escalate further. I propose two Foundation personnel be stationed outside the door of the entity's cell at all times to prevent further incidents. A day after the interview, I provided the entity with an encyclopedia on various animals. It appeared fascinated with the text almost immediately, and I suspect it won't be long before I receive requests for additional volumes. Kelson. On 3 July 2022, during interview 7038-I-3, the entity triggered a partial containment breach. Although no significant injuries were reported, the incident resulted in a Foundation psychiatrist being assigned to the entity for the foreseeable future. The following is a transcript of interview 7038-I-3 and security camera footage captured during the incident. Interviewer, Dr. Bridget A. Kelson. Interviewed, SCP-7038. 
Date, 3 July, 2022. Interviewer notes. Prior to this interview, the previous containment procedure recommendations I made were put into effect, and the number of incidents has decreased significantly as a result. The entity immediately appeared far more excitable upon my entering the cell on this occasion, which bodes well for further improvements to its mental health. I've been accused of being overly sympathetic with the entity twice already, but now, as ever, my main concern is simply preventing anomalous entities from going rogue whenever we're able to do so. SCP-7038 is far easier to contain when it doesn't want to leave. The entity can be seen reading the encyclopedia to itself, initially not acknowledging Kelson's presence. May we free swimming marine animals with umbrella-shaped bells and trailing tentacles. Although if you are anchored to the seabed by stocks rather than being mobile, the bell can pulsate to provide propulsion for highly efficient locomotion. <laughs> Hello again, SCP-7038. You seem excited today. The entity continues flipping through pages of the encyclopedia, oblivious to the Dash A instances falling into the grinder below. I can't stop reading and rereading this book. It has so many things I've never seen before. Oh? Do tell. Let me see. Uh, Equus Ferris Cabalus. These are truly fascinating. They almost look a bit like some of my children, except without all the teeth. Wait, you... you've never heard of a horse before? Seemingly oblivious, the entity doesn't answer. Oh, oh, and, and this one. Canis Lupus Familiaris? I might be mispronouncing that. You, you've never seen a dog? The entity turns to Dr. Kelson and tilts its head curiously. What's the matter? Did I offend you somehow? I just, I can't stop reading this book. All these different creatures are so fascinating. I hope I get to see some of them someday. The entity suddenly stops speaking and tenses up. Vital signs indicate an elevated heart rate. SCP-7038? I... I am fine. I just... It's foolish. I just realized I will never actually get to see them, that's all. I had... forgotten, or rather... I'd never thought of it before. I... I never really thought about... what it was like outside. Although it wasn't noticed at the time, Later review of security camera footage reveals the production rate of Dash A instances increase significantly at this point. The entity's breathing becomes shaky. It begins crying what appears to be blood. I... I won't lie to you. You probably won't... Else. Sorry, I... <clears throat> there might be a chance we could eventually grant you limited time Don't outside... Don't lie! I... I can't... <laughs> Sorry, I need a moment. Kelson, vitals are off the charts. We should go. Now. I'm just... I'm just doing my part, serving. Serving my purpose. I, I need nothing more than that. <laughs> Production of Dash A instances abruptly stops as the entity's reproductive organs begin bleeding profusely. Violent thrashing can be seen within the entity's abdomen as it begins to struggle against its restraints. Uh, okay. Flynn, get the door. We have to go. Agent Flynn begins running towards the door as the entity's struggles increase in intensity. The entity begins emitting vocalizations alternating between sobbing and screaming. Partially muffled by the entity's vocalizations, the sounds of loud hissing and flesh tearing can be heard in the recording. I'm serving my purpose! 
the first recorded instance of Dash B, a creature resembling a human-sized praying mantis covered in sagging black skin, tears itself free of the entity's abdomen and leaps at the researchers. Agent Tanners discharges multiple rounds of ammunition, causing the Dash B to stumble backwards on the catwalk. Tanners then body slams the entity, causing it to fall backwards off the catwalk and partially into the grinder array. Agent Tanners, Agent Flynn, and Dr. Kelson are able to exit the containment chamber before the Dash B frees itself and climbs back onto the catwalk. Agents stationed outside the cell begin retraction of the catwalk, causing the Dash B to fall back into the grinders, where it is subsequently terminated. Closing Statement I fear I have made a grave error in judgment on the method of improving the entity's mental state. It did not occur to me before that the entity's general ignorance of the world was likely a means of keeping it docile and stress-free as it performs its assigned duties. As for what caused the creation of the Dash B instance specifically, we are still uncertain, but there seems to be a correlation between its forming and the entity's sudden outburst of anxiety. By the time reinforcements opened the cell door, it had managed to heal most of its wounds, and is now curled up in a partial fetal position and sobbing continuously. It's been doing this consistently for the past five hours with no signs of stopping. I strongly advise that the entity be assigned a psychiatrist as soon as possible. At minimum, I recommend bi-weekly psychiatric checkups to help the entity recover from this ordeal. Kelson. Addendum 7038-03. Incident Report 7038-A. A3. Following Incident 7038-AA1, Foundation Psychiatrist Dr. Frida Christensen was assigned to provide psychiatric care for SCP-7038. However, while the entity appeared lucid and conscious, it refused to interact with Dr. Christensen in any capacity. On 20 August 2022, Dr. Kelson was requested to interview the entity and gather further information on its cult of origin, but subsequent events during Interview 7038-I-16 resulted in a second containment breach and the near escape of a Dash B instance. The following is a transcript of interview 7038-I-16 and security camera footage of the resulting breach. Interviewer, Agent Blake Flynn. Interviewed, SCP-7038. Date, 20 August, 2022. Interviewer notes. I wouldn't normally be assigned to conduct interviews like this, but this was a short notice request by site supervisors and Dr. Christensen was unable to attend. Dr. Kelson was originally supposed to conduct this interview, but she claimed she was having a medical emergency and hasn't left the infirmary since. Accompanying me is Agent Mark Tanners and Agent James Donovan. Hey, it's, uh, it's me, Blake. More crunching noises are heard as another Dash A instance falls into the grinder. The entity does not respond to Flynn, instead staring at him silently. Look, I'm... I'm sorry about what happened with you and Dr. Kelson. It's awfully easy for you to contain me, isn't it? I, I... What? My children... You can kill as many as you want, as often as you want, and you never have to deal with the consequences. The moment they die, they crumble away like they never existed at all. I wonder 
If you killed me, would I disappear? Would I just cease to exist and be forgotten? Would you even keep records of me? We are not going to kill you, okay? But why not? More crunching noises as another Dash A instance falls into the grinder array. I'm sorry, I, I don't understand. I do. I don't like this. The entity begins crying blood. Vital signs indicate an elevated heart rate and shallow breathing. Why not kill me? If you don't want me, why are you just keeping me here? Do you think I want to live like this? But that's not what you first said. When? No. I'm sorry, I'm not a therapist. Why did they have to pick me for this? The entity begins sobbing. The production rate of Dash A instances has stopped completely as the entity's reproductive organs begin bleeding. <coughs> I, oh, I, I did, but <coughs> I just... I don't want to be here anymore. <coughs> the entity's abdomen begins rapidly increasing in size as a loud hissing sound fills the room, muffled by the entity's screams. Out! Now! Don, get the door! I, I want to go home! The speech is cut off as the entity begins vomiting blood. The entity's abdomen bursts open, releasing a massive Dash B instance resembling a three-meter-tall equine. It possesses a mane of tentacles, a single curved horn, and a leech-like mouth. No discernible eyes can be seen. The Dash B slams its forelimbs onto the catwalk, nearly causing it to buckle and land in the grinder array. It claws Agent Flynn in the back, but his Seaburna suit takes the majority of the damage. SCP-7038 appears completely unconscious and unresponsive, and its spine is bent backwards at nearly a 90-degree angle. A massive gash runs along the entire length of its torso, but gradually begins closing over the next several minutes. Doors open! Move! 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 The Dash B instance emits an ear-splitting screech as it struggles to fit its bulk onto the narrow catwalk. Agent Donovan, Agent Tanners, and Agent Flynn are able to successfully exit the cell, but as the door is closing, the Dash B slams its head into the door, dislodging it from the frame and sending it smashing into the opposite wall. Tanners, Donovan, Flynn, and the guards stationed outside the cell begin firing upon the Dash B, impacting its body with at least 30 rounds of ammunition. The Dash B's circular mouth widens considerably as it lunges forward and attempts to envelop Agent Tanners. Tanner's upper body is swiftly engulfed by the entity, which then proceeds to swallow and further consume him. Tanner's can be seen struggling within its mouth, discharging multiple rounds of handgun ammunition into its esophagus as it attempts to raise its head and use gravity to pull him further in. Little help, anyone? Shit, shit, shit. Spread out your body as wide as you can. Try to slow yourself down. After expending all of his ammunition, Tanner's complies attempting to spread his arms and legs as far outwards as he can, significantly slowing his passage down the Dash B's throat. Uh, uh, think it's working! Wait! Ah, uh, you've gotta be fucking kidding me! The Dash B throws its head back repeatedly, using its momentum to force Tanners further into its throat. After 30 seconds, Tanners loses his grip and is swallowed completely by the entity. For the next several minutes, Tanners can be seen struggling within the entity's distended abdomen, managing to pierce through its flesh several times with his combat knife, though the wounds heal too quickly for him to cut himself free. 
Despite the amount of space Tanners takes up within the Dashby's abdomen, it shows no hesitation as it immediately rushes at the assembled agents, biting and clawing until it secures its jaws around another agent's body before swallowing them. Flynn and the other agents attempt to retreat, but Flynn is knocked aside by the entity's swollen abdomen as it charges forwards again and begins swallowing another agent. After five minutes, the entity has managed to successfully ingest five agents, their combined weight reducing its speed and agility significantly. Muffled screaming can be heard inside, presumably from the agents not clad in Seaburna gear. Having heard the alarms, Dr. Kelson rounds the corner with several members of MTF Theta-16, Nuns and Roses, who had been previously stationed in the nearby medical wing. MTF agents open fire on the Dash B's legs, aiming for the joints in an attempt to cripple it. The Dash B stumbles forwards as the joints of its forelimbs are almost completely destroyed, eventually causing it to collapse atop its distended abdomen, its weight beginning to crush the agents within. Flynn and another agent rush forwards with knives drawn in an attempt to disembowel the entity, but are forced to retreat as it begins healing and attempting to right itself. As the Dash B regains its footing, Dr. Kelson attempts to take one of the MTF agent's shotguns, forcing him to push her aside. Doctor, stay back! I... Fuck! You need to concentrate fire! Point blank as many rounds as you can! Go for the heart! Good call. Dobbs, Leo, kneecap it. Frank, with me. Two MTF agents rush forwards and begin bludgeoning the damaged joints of the Dash B's forelimbs with their batons, causing them to give way once more. While the Dash B is distracted, Two other agents flank it on the left before planting the barrels of their shotguns against its body and discharging several rounds of ammunition directly through the side of its ribcage. The Dash B emits several choking, half-muffled screeches as its body begins kicking and thrashing, slamming the two agents against the wall before it finally goes limp. The muffled screaming within the Dash B's abdomen grows louder as the entity rolls onto its side and begins slowly disintegrating. It takes another three minutes for the MTF agents to successfully open the entity's abdomen, releasing the five trapped agents. While Tanners is largely uninjured due to his Seaburna suit, the other four agents are covered in deep lacerations from sharpened fangs lining the inside of the Dash B's stomach. Interestingly, no digestive fluids were found within the entity's stomach, and none of the agents suffered any chemical burns. Closing Statement Agent Tanners is fine, thankfully. The outer layers of his Seaburna suit got shredded from the teeth in the Dash B's gut, but none of the teeth managed to directly injure him. The other agents looked like they lost a fight with a cheese grater, but none of them ended up dying. I guess that's a win. The Dash B proved to be far more durable than we'd anticipated, though. In total, it probably took over 300 rounds to bring that thing down, and it only keeled over after we punched a hole clean through the heart. These things, they have pseudo-organs, but they don't really operate like real creatures. We still don't know if they're even made of matter. They disappear into nothing and it seems like they just spill out non-stop from SCP-7038's body. We can deal with the smaller ones, with the Dash A's, but if the entity can mass-produce Dash B, there's going to be a problem. How the hell do we keep SCP-7038 contained without massively upgrading the entire facility? Kelson. Addendum 7038-04 Audio recording of Dr. Bridget Kelson on 15 September 2022, following a routine checkup, Dr. Kelson spoke candidly with Dr. Christensen about her experiences. The nature and contents of the subsequent conversation prompted Dr. Christensen to record it covertly, 
though she did not provide Site 06-3 supervisors with the recording until after the events of Interview I-33. The following is a transcript of Dr. Christensen's partial recording of the conversation. Oh, sorry. That was an important text. Could you please rewind a bit? <sighs> oh, well, I was saying, before you completely tuned me out, I... I don't know if I can handle this anomaly anymore. I see what you mean. It is quite... disturbing. It's more than that. It's... I can't... I can't get it out of my head. I... I've been having nightmares. About SCP-7038? Kind of, except... In the nightmares, I'm in her place. I'm the one stuck in a cell, stripped bare, watching my... My kids fall into a meat grinder over and over and over. I can hear the sounds of them being ground up. It never stops. I can't even tell what time it is. All I can do is just sit there, listening to that crunching, tearing, over and over again. I... You know what? I... I used to want kids, but now I'm... I think I... I need a hysterectomy. Kelson. Sorry, I... I just... I need you to tell me I'm not losing it, please. You're not losing it, no. But I definitely think you're traumatized. Not many researchers draw the anomalies they're containing. Least of all, in their research notes. Have you told anyone else about this? Oh, you... Nobody but the bottle of Jack Daniels I keep in my mini-fridge. I think Flynn's a little shell-shocked, too. His hands are always shaking whenever he goes in the cell. Tanner's is, well, he's Tanner's. Being eaten alive is just Tuesday for him. Kelson, Bridget, have you considered transferring to a different anomaly? A different site, even? Yes, but I, I can't. I can't leave her. I, I couldn't forgive myself. Bridget, you did nothing wrong. You didn't make her this way. The Nalka did. I know, but I broke her. She... She was perfectly fine before that one interview. I just... I fucked up. You've already been avoiding speaking with the entity since the incident. Every time since, you've made up some excuse as to why you couldn't conduct the interview and sent Flynn in your place, despite knowing this was fucking him up too. Listen, I understand the desire to run from your problems, but... If avoiding the entity isn't helping you recover, perhaps you just need to face her. That... that sounds like the opposite of requesting a transfer. Look, fact is, you're the one with the closest bond to the entity. I'm just wondering if you two talking might be able to help both of you. If you ran now, I wouldn't blame you, but it'll take a significant period of time for me to connect with her as much as you did. She's been nearly catatonic since the incident, and I can't get through to her. There have been three emergences, not counting the one that literally busted down the door. She's getting worse, and so are you. Professionally, I should be requesting your transfer for you right now. But I'm worried you're both going to fall apart if you don't face this. <sighs> okay. Okay, I think... I think I have a plan. 
I can calm her down, but I'll need your help. Just say the word. Addendum 7038-05 Interview Log I-33 On 18 September 2022, Dr. Bridget Kelson, Dr. Frida Christensen, and Agent Mark Tanner succeeded in preventing a massive containment breach of SCP-7038. Because the three acted without approval from Site 06-3 supervisors, they were formally reprimanded, but due to their success, they were allowed to remain assigned to the containment of the entity for the foreseeable future, provided they undergo monthly psychological evaluations. The following is a transcript of audio recordings and body cam footage of Interview 7038-I-33. Interviewer, Dr. Bridget A. Kelson. Interviewed, SCP-7038. Date, 19 September, 2022. Interviewer notes. I've just received word that the entity might be attempting a containment breach as we speak. The cell's gone completely dark, though the grid says the lights and cameras are on. Christensen's got the supplies ready. We have to move now. I don't think we're going to get another chance to fix this. I hope my plan works. Kelson, Tanners, and Christensen enter the entity's holding cell. Notably, the cell is completely dark, though the grinder array and other equipment are operational. A pair of amber eyes can be seen through the complete darkness of the cell. As Kelson, Christensen, and Tanners approach, more glowing eyes appear around the first set, until at least 20 distinct pairs of eyes are visible. Make no sudden moves. Shit. Kelson, we should go. How the hell did they pile up like this? Don't you know, Dr. Kelson? Life adapts. That's what your books told me. Scuttling noises are heard as the mass of amber eyes shifts from where it had previously been obstructing the ceiling lights, thus illuminating the room. Approximately 20-A instances of varying shapes and sizes can be seen perched atop the entity's restraint harness cables, their bodies interlocking to form a wall behind the entity's body. Another Dash-A instance is born, falling about two meters before being ensnared by the entity's tail, which has apparently broken free of its restraints. The entity uses its tail to place the Dash-A instance atop its swollen abdomen, where it immediately begins nursing. Why are you doing this? We don't want to hurt you and we don't need to fight. You think I'm afraid of you hurting me? The entity's eyes turn red, with the eyes of every Dash-A adopting the same hue. Glowing rows of spots appear along the spines of every Dash-A as they turn their heads to face Dr. Kelson and bare their teeth in perfect synchronization. Five canid Dash-A instances at the top of the pile stand up and begin attempting to advance toward Kelson's position on the catwalk. Wait, wait, stop! Please, tell me why! We want to help you! I want to help you! After several seconds of silence, the canid Dash-A's cease movement and remain perched atop the pile. For a number of years, I can't even count. I thought I was blessed. I was an envoy for my gods, the mother of their children, the envy of all my sisters. There was no higher purpose in life than the one assigned to me. It was all I knew. It was wonderful. I thought... I thought it was all there was. You never realized there was a world beyond the walls of your cell? I... I did, but... 
But I never realized the world beyond was so... beautiful. My children never left the compound before your men arrived. I was still in training. They wanted to see how they could make my children stronger, change their shapes, create new forms, make more mothers like me. Even if I could see through my children's eyes, it was all trap walls and stone floors and rows and rows of tomes. I knew there must have been something beyond a world outside, but I couldn't fathom what it would look like. Not until you showed me. They raised you for this, trapped you in a box, lied to you for centuries. And I miss it. I miss the lie. It made me feel like I was worth something. But... but they turned you into a monster and... They didn't see me as a monster. I was their herald. I was their hope. Their greatest creation. They took care of me. They provided for me. They kept me entertained. They made sure I was happy, even if I couldn't leave. It... made me feel like I mattered. I was doing what I'd been born to do and wanted nothing else. The entity begins crying blood. Vital signs indicate an elevated heart rate. The entity starts to sob, but this time manages to regain its composure after several seconds. A serpent does not imagine running on legs. An urchin doesn't aspire to climb a mountain. A cheetah never dreams of flight. A mayfly doesn't know it will only live for a single day. It simply does as nature intended and wants for nothing more. If you told the Mayfly its existence was hell, if you told it all the things it would never live to accomplish... You were happy before you knew all the things you'd never get to see. The Entity, still crying blood, smiles and nods. I don't want to know I live in hell. I don't want to think about all those beautiful places and animals in your books. I want to go back to believing I matter, to believing I'm blessed, even if it's a lie. But I don't know how. I... I know how. I can... I can make you forget. Just tell me. Tell me that's what you want. I want to forget. I want to forget the world outside. I want to forget all the beautiful things I can never see. Please take it away. Kelson raises a handheld canister of mixed-class BMnestics and fast-acting sedatives and begins spraying the vicinity of the entity. Christensen and Tanners raise their own canisters and proceed to do the same. Within seconds, the entirety of the cell becomes foggy with the amnestic compounds, though the team's Seaburna suits protect them from the effects. The entity slowly begins exhibiting signs of drowsiness, its posture becoming more relaxed. Gradually, all Dash A instances fall unconscious and begin toppling into the grinder array, where they are subsequently eliminated. The entity smiles as its eyes begin slowly closing. Thank you. The entity falls completely unconscious and goes limp in its harness. I guess this means we'll have to get to know each other all over again. I'll try to do it better next time. Closing statement. Amnestic treatment has proven effective in radically decreasing the entity's anxiety, but this is only a stopgap measure. A band-aid fix, if you will. As a more sustainable solution, I propose that the entity only be allowed to read texts on philosophy and religion, 
with omissions made to prevent it from becoming more aware of the outside world. Maybe at some point entirely fictional books could be added to the reading list if the entity continues to remain mentally stable. I've been asked why I care so much about the entity's feelings. I'd hope the answer was obvious. Upon review of the entity's containment breaches, it's apparent that the production of Dash B is an instinctive stress response. To prevent more Dash B from being born, care must be taken to keep the entity docile. If we just keep it in a box with the lights out and nothing for it to do, this problem is only going to get worse. The entity is unquestionably an anomaly, but it's an anomaly with a human mind, and human minds have basic needs in order to remain stable. If the entity suffers a mental breakdown, the results could be worse than anything we could imagine. If I have to bring the ethics committee into this, I will absolutely do so. The stakes are too high for us to act carelessly. Our job is to contain anomalies, not turn them into monsters. Kelson. Thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, join my Discord community, hire me on Fiverr, or help support me by becoming a patron for as little as $3 a month. Regardless of tier, all patrons get early access to every single episode. The links are in the description. I don't have the talent it takes to write a skip. All I do is read. Original authors make this podcast possible, so credit to the original author. Their link's in the description. Show them some love as well. Consider becoming a member of the SCP Wiki. Upvote their work, and maybe write a skip of your own. Maybe I'll read it here someday. You never know, if you never try. The content of this podcast and content relating to the SCP Foundation, including the SCP Foundation logo, is licensed under Creative Commons ShareLight 3.0, and all concepts originate from scpwiki.com and its authors. This recording... Being derived from this content is hereby also released under Creative Commons Sharealike 3.0. I'm Grigori Carpin from Simply Creative People, the podcast where we discuss GOIs, canons, and stories from the SCP Wiki, and we try to recommend things for all fans of the Wiki, new and old. Look for us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. Visit the show page at anchor.fm slash simply-creative-people. Or follow us on Twitter at S-I-M-C-R-E-A-T. Hey there, this is DJ Skip, host of Foundation After Midnight Radio, coming to you from the only third shift broadcast for personnel by personnel. Be sure to tune in wherever you listen to podcasts to not miss out on containment news and community announcements from within the Foundation.